Welcome to episode 63 of Val F. Bay Stuttgart Americana, an American-based English-language Val F. Bay Stuttgart fan podcast for our views are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. My name is Travis. You can reach me at Hazelfish. Joining me for his 27th episode on the podcast is Matt. You can reach him at Sail Racer. Matt, how was your weekend before we even get going today? Weekend was pretty good. It was nice to have a, a Stuttgart win. Um, I can't remember the last weekend we had one of those I know. to enjoy. It's... So that was delightful. How was your weekend? It was May 14th, actually. That's heavy <laughs> oh. Viking reminded us it's been that long since a win. Uh, it was a pretty good, pretty good weekend around here. Um, I went to a concert last night with my wife, uh, a performer we very much enjoy. Uh, I we got the win, like you said. I was talking to you off the air. I got my good luck Stuttgart gin. Our good friend is uh, working on some stuff for the OFC logo wise. So Adrian is doing some amazing work there. So I can't I, wait. We we need to pause for a second and just I am giddy about the stuff that Adrian's come up with. The dude is amazing, and we are going to have some awesome awesome stuff i'm so excited about this yeah we're really looking forward to rolling some stuff out before the austin texas friendly which is in uh, november 17th through the i think 20th is when the bob Stuttgart will be in the states so we're hoping to roll some stuff out uh before then but yeah adrian's done some just really sharp stuff so uh we're hoping to kind of roll it out with a drum roll type presentation that will no doubt <laughs> completely bomb but we'll <laughs> It will totally ruin any work Adrian's done, but we'll see what we can do. But no, it's been a great weekend. I wanted to, though, play the number game with you. This is your 27th episode. Let's go through some famous, like we usually do, number 27s who have worn the Bruce ring. Are you ready? Let's do it. There's only two in our, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> in our recent memory. One is Mario Gomez, who scored 110 goals in 230 matches for the club. He's a legend. And there's Alu Kual, who has scored zero goals in zero matches, who's currently playing for the regional team. Who's your favorite number 27, Matt? I, If you had said the name Alu Kual out of context before this, I would have uh, said Gesundheit and <laughs> offered you a tissue. I, I can't even remember who that, that dude is. It's got to be Mario Gomez, but Mario Gomez is one of my all-time favorite Stuttgart players solely for the existence of the Mario Gomez button. It is such a fantastic song. Maybe that's what we'll put for our intro and our in-between song this time, and unless it's some kind of violation of copyright laws, which it probably is. But What are they going to get if they sue us? That's, that's right my <laughs> one friend who's an attorney said to me one time he's like travis don't worry you're judgment proof i'm like what does that mean it means you've got no money for them to win a judgment <laughs> so, yeah, all right well that's good to know yeah mario Gomez, yeah so we'll t- we'll give mario the edge over a who's uh got some promise he's a young guy playing for the regional team but we are very excited for this episode. We got a lot going on. So part one, we're going to talk about the match itself. Finally talking about a win. Uh, part two, we're going to have a little help from Hannes, who's going to give us a little insight into how an American can kind of get into kind of the information that is uh, Valfi Stuttgart. Part three, we're going to get to headlines and questions. And part four, we're going to get into some predictions. Matt, you won the prediction uh, race last week. So uh, your thoughts are very valuable this episode. I assume my prize is in the mail. (laughs) Keep looking for it there. All right, Matt, you ready to get going? Yeah, let's go. All right.
No win team versus a one win team. At least Shanka, God bless him, lost on Friday going into, you know what, sidebar too, by the way, the Shanka America guys, they do their live podcast at 8 p.m. So they just wrapped up. And as we record this, it's 9 p.m. Eastern time. This could be like one of those old time ABC, NBC sitcoms where you you stack like friends <laughs> on top of another show. I mean, we, we should reach out to, uh, I don't know, the internet about that or something. Yeah, they're, they're our lead in. I think is uh, the industry term for that. Oh, I like that. A little uh, shot across the bow there, too. Take that. Any Shalka fans who are listening to this for some reason? I don't know. What's wrong with you? So as we go into this match, uh, the lineup shift, Soso was in, Malo was in, Pfeiffer was in, Ito was the only surprise that was out. Karazor and Jirasi were out because of suspensions. Uh, the only real surprise was Ito any thoughts about the the lineup shift that you saw? It seemed to be a much more aggressive. I shouldn't say much more. It seemed to be a little bit more of an offensive minded group with uh, Enzo Malo in there. It it did. It was nice to see some changes. I was a little concerned with uh, Vimmer being uh, Reno's guy that he was just going to keep doing what he was doing. Um, so it was nice to see that there were some changes. I was really surprised to see Ito out because he's been so good lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you're going to make changes, somebody's going to have to sit. Uh, everybody can't play all the time. I am. I'm a little surprised that uh, with Anton cosplaying like a member of the French Revolution, <laughs> um, that he was on the field. I gotta think if you've got your head wrapped, you probably shouldn't be out there. Yeah, I, but... it's funny you bring that up because I really didn't think about it too much at the time. But you're right. It's like if if you have a head laceration that is bad enough to where in the matter of a week it can't recover enough to stop bleeding all over the place that does raise some questions but i mean they do have the magic spray in germany so maybe they just used some of that magic spray and and made it work but yeah the Edo thing was was kind of surprising to me um i i like putting enzo malo in there we we've been calling for them to play some of the young kids at some point i was kind of hoping to see juan Pereira in there over luca fiver but you know what gave luca a chance to see what he can do and well he was out there so (laughs) it it was change which was good because we needed some change but yeah I, i don't know if it was all the changes i would have made but i don't get played or paid to make soccer decisions so well, I mean, we are the number one American uh, to our podcast, so. That's true. We shouldn't sell ourselves short. <laughs> there is that. All right, I'm going to j- dive right into what you alluded to, though, is Vimmer versus Reno. And so I'm going to throw a bunch of statements at you that were post-match. Uh, somebody in the OFC sent a question in. It's like, uh, for those of us who didn't watch the Boca match, what did we see different out of Vimmer versus Pellegrino? Before the game, Vimmer was asked, you know, what's your philosophy? And he replied, you know, Pellegrino's philosophy and mine are similar. There won't be much of a difference in formation. And then after the match, he said, we didn't try to change anything, but just to clear our heads. And he went on to attribute 70% of the victory, quote, to Reno. Sven said later, he's like, this victory had Reno's handwriting all over it. The only thing that they really said they did differently is they said a slightly different approach. This is quote from Sven. Uh, They cleared the heads a little bit. 
they re-advertised, which is a fantastic German phrase, one or two <laughs> competitions. It's like my boss coming to me and being like, Travis, we're going to re-advertise your job. You're, <laughs> right. you're not going to work here anymore. Uh, I guess the, the, the only difference is what we kind of talked about a little bit ago is that Ito coming out and putting Enzo Malo in, I know that's not a swap for swap, but get, getting back to the main question is, what did Vimmer do that was much different than Pellegrino in this match? Did he do anything different? I didn't see much. This didn't feel a lot different than what we've been seeing. One tactical thing I did think was really interesting is we were forcing the ball down the right a lot. And uh, I think that's because Silas was on the right-hand side up front and Silas was having a day, so good on him. And I get why you're doing that. But we've also got Sosa playing a left wing. And Sosa's kind of our go-to cross guy. So if you've got your best crossing player on the left side, it doesn't strike me as a very smart decision to play right-handed. You're not going to move Sosa over to the right because those crosses come from his left foot. It doesn't, you know, would put him in a really awkward position. But Silas could play on the left. Like, why not put Silas on the left? and give Sosa that opportunity or play down the left and have Sosa cross over the middle to see loss. If that's your goal. I just, it didn't, I'm sure there was a good sound tactical reason for it. Um, It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to my eyes. Yeah. I I guess I'll politely disagree there. I, I think one of the problems was, how dare you? (laughs) I said politely. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's been playing too many different positions. They talk about how flexibility is one of his, key attributes and sometimes being a master of a lot of things means you're a master of nothing and I, I i almost think like it would be a lot easier if they just put him in one position and said all right silas do this thing over here and it seemed like he did that on on saturday but i will agree with you here is that i didn't see much of a difference unless it's something you said the previous pod is that maybe just by the decision of getting rid of reno that sent a message to the guys, the bums, as you call them. <laughs> they, they need to get, I don't recall saying that. Well, it's, I edited it. So that they need, to get their act, <laughs> they need to get their act together because they did look that first 20 minutes, they looked sharper and more focused than I think we've seen them all season long up to this point. Yeah. I, that was, it was the best start we've seen all season. So they're, Vimmer's approach differing, whatever it was, just Reno not being there and that change being front of mind for the guys, maybe that that made a big difference. And your your point about Silas is a good one. And maybe like maybe Vimmer sat him down and said, dude, where do you want to be? Mm. Where do you think you'll be best? I still don't so I, I guess playing Silas up front right, I still don't get the the decision to abandon the attack down the left when Sosa's golden left boot is over there. I don't know. I don't, it felt like a half-baked strategy. I think what helped, and it, let's get in the game for, here for a little bit, because it, the funny thing was, I watched the game live. Jeff watched the game live. I, I'm really disappointed we weren't able to have Rob on uh, this week, but Rob's got a professional hockey career <laughs> going on right now. We don't want to get in the way of that. A, you know who's a bum? Rob's a bum. <laughs> Right. And Rob, wherever you're at right now, I hope, uh, Matt, what's a hockey term I can yell at him? He's a hoser. You're a hoser. There it is. <laughs> but the, everybody who watched the game live was like, yeah, it wasn't that 
I mean, we didn't play great, but it wasn't our best match. And anybody who watched it a little bit not live was like, oh, my God, this was one of the worst matches we played. <laughs> you watched. So I want to get your opinion on this because I watched it live and I was like, the, my big takeaway out of this match was, oh, my, Bochum is bad. Yeah, same. I, so, yeah, I watched it on, on delay uh, about a day later and I followed the game live, you know, on my phone, checking the score and stuff. So I knew what was going to happen, but I wanted to see how it happened. And the first thing I thought is every single one of Bochum's players looked like they were auto-generated by an unlicensed <laughs> FIFA knockoff video game. Like They all looked like approximation of footballers, but not like legit footballers, which I thought was interesting. And I couldn't shake that the entire time I was watching the game. But they're awful. And three of our four goals were completely because of Bochum defensive breakdowns and deficiencies and their players just not knowing where they should be. It had nothing to do with an improved Stuttgart attack or changes that we made. So like maybe this should have been a 1-1 draw, but I didn't think we looked good. And I thought Bochum looked really, really, really bad. Yeah, that was, I think we were efficient for the first time all year. We were efficient with chances and we had luck. Let's face it. So the first three minutes we get a penalty kick and we convert the penalty kick from Silas, you know, running down that, that right side. It, it, that hasn't happened all year long. And, you know, some people wrote on Twitter is like, if you're Pellegrino and you're watching this match, you got, you're thinking to yourself, come on, <laughs> where, where was this <laughs> prior? But, and then they didn't give up a goal. Uh, 60 seconds later, like they have all season long. Instead, yeah, 20 minutes later, they they scored another goal. But to your point, that goal they scored in the second was the the, the Pokem goalie just started roaming around like my kids do in the seventh grade or the the you know the seven year old soccer that they play, and he got caught out. And to Stugart's credit, though, they were ruthlessly efficient. Silas got the ball, made a very nice unselfish pass to Ahamada. We made a nice shot, but even that shot that Ahamada had kind of went through three guys. And I don't want to take away from uh, the goal that Silas had later in the 64th minute. Sosa had a nice cross into the box. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> to Luca Pfeiffer's credit, he completely faked out the other team by pump faking and whiffing on his shot. <laughs> <laughs> totally on purpose, no question. And then Silas was able to get a shot through the mess. And then the endo goal in the 71st minute was the same, was the same thing. It was just kind of a mess in the box. About four guys could have scored it. So I, I don't know how to take this because it, the week before at Union, we had four guys have a shot and, and nothing went in, but this week, everything went in. The thing that really surprised me about Bochum is it seems like the one thing that we do really well is play down the wings, right? Mm-hmm they had a graphic that showed Bochum was really trying to compress the middle. And I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about tactics at all, but I know there's one thing we do well, and that's, we go down the wings. So it's across the Silas sprints and Bochum was like allowing us to do that. And I was, I was just super surprised that their game plan seemed to be to allow us to do the one thing that we're able to do. It was kind of like their coach had not watched a Stuttgart game yet this year, which shame on him for poor preparation. We probably had 
have li- people listening to this podcast who have watched more of Bochum before this game <laughs> than this dude had watched of Stuttgart based on his tactics. Um, I think the Ahmada goal is a, a really good one, I think, to look at a little more closely because what he had in the box was something that like Union did not give us, which was a little bit of extra time, a half second to settle that ball, to make the extra touch. And that's, that's something we got against Bochum that we will not get against better teams. And so a lot of times what we're seeing is shots are rushed or uh, they, they don't end up getting off at all. We get the ball into the box. And we've been saying this a lot this season that we lose any sort of idea of what we're doing once we get in the final third. Um, I don't think Bochum had any idea what they were doing when we were in the final third. And so it was sort of the law of chaos and we have more talented players than they do. And so when it's chaos, the more talented players are going to win. And I think that was one of my main points. So uh, Zoller scores in the 29th minute for Bochum. So we're up to nothing. It looks like we're dominating kind of a weird match. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden now it's two, one. You're like, Oh boy. And the way they scored, Mueller didn't come out in time. He did get a foot on it, but not enough. You could say that Sosa didn't track back enough to get it. Kicker gave Mueller a 4.5 grade uh, for the match. Uh, Anton fell asleep in the 60th minute, and then Mueller saved him on a breakaway. If not for Mueller, this match you know could have been 2-2. But to me, it was just more of the same. And I don't want to be so negative. And I'll bring it back to a positive before we wrap up part one. But you had a Mueller mistake. You had a defensive breakdown. I I don't think this was this ground shaking shift for us. I think it was, we just played the worst team on in the league. And for once in 10 matches, Stuttgart was efficient in front of the goal and punished that team. Yeah, we, we did what you have to do in a game against a Bochum. And we took advantage of the opportunities that they gave us. And that's not something we've been able to do against better teams, but we did it here. Uh, let's hope that this is a confidence boost and we'll have the ability to start doing that against teams who understand defense <laughs> and whose coaching staffs scout their opponents. Um, but I'm just, I, I don't feel great about this. There was a part of me that was like, I hope Vimmer comes in and he creates a controversy, right? Do we just, hey, we got this great guy in there now. Do we just leave him in as the interim for the rest of the season? I don't think we're at any risk of that. It was, I, I was trying to get my hashtag win w- with Vimmer uh, trending on Twitter. And I, I don't know if it did or not. And I, here's where I will end it on a positive though, is the midfield looked fantastic in this match. Um, I don't, Endo was rated 2-5, uh, Sosa 2-5, Ahamada 2-5. Enzo Malo was the guy who came in and was really the game changer. Vimmer said today that he's probably, if not going to be a starter, is making a huge push to get into that starting lineup. He brings something different. I mean, the midfield, for the first time in a long time, looked really strong. He's got some offensive creativity to him that, you know, we we are endo stands on this pod. I will cherish my Legendo jersey for the rest of the time until the crest peels off of it. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's, he's not, he's not a creative offensive force. He's a force, but he's not a creator, right? Mm-hmm. He's a facilitator. And, and 
Enzo Malo was doing some creative stuff out there, trying some weird stuff. And if you're going to try some weird stuff, there's not a better team to try it against than Bochum. And if he gets a little confidence in that weird stuff and decides to try it against a, an on-track Frankfurt, that could really work out well for us. Yeah, it was – the other positive I'll say too is kind of what we mentioned before is that, okay, the game wasn't the prettiest game. You know, a 4-1 victory is a 4-1 victory, especially when you haven't had a victory since May. So I'm going totally. to take it. They were efficient. I mean, they put their chances away. And that is something that we have been whining about for probably more than a year. This We have plenty of chances, but we can't put them away. So winning ugly is still a win. And putting up four goals is still four goals. And, you know, the individual quality of Silas was able to shine on this day. And granted, it was a bad Bochum team, but you know what? they finished the opportunities they had. They finally took down a team they were supposed to take down. That's you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And that's, that's table stakes. So we did that. And hopefully some of the guys get a little confidence out of this. They feel a little bit better. It, the air has been cleared maybe in the locker room now that the, the sword isn't hanging over Matarazzo's head anymore. And we can move on and make some good progress and start seeing the quality we know exists within this roster uh, out on the field every day. Yeah. All right. So that match ends four to one, the rest of the results on the table kind of went our way as well. So we moved up from 17th up to 14th place. So everybody's a little bit happier. Table's looking a little bit better. Any last thoughts or words before we uh, wrap up? We're almost in our first. I know Sven said 13th is our first and we're right. So that means we're in second. Almost there, baby. <laughs> you know, there's been so much drama coming out of Stuttgart. Really, I think since Stuttgart was formed way back hundreds <laughs> of years ago. Uh, and as an American fan, it's kind of tough to get some information. So in part two, what we're going to do is we're going to get some help from home with Hannes. So Hannes was on the podcast last week, Matt. He's going to kind of help give us some insight as to where we should go as Americans and uh, English speakers to uh, – to get some more info on this very drama-laden club, all right? So you're going to take a little rest for now. I'm going to relieve you of your duties. Can't wait to hear what he has to say. <laughs> all right, Matt, I'll see you in part three. Sounds good. Welcome back to part two. And like we alluded to in part one, we're going to try and get uh, some help to, from home with Hannes. This is going to be our new segment, Hannes. We're going to try to see if you can help us follow this club a little bit more. But before we dive into our new segment here, help from home with Hannes, you like what I did there? There's a lot of H's going on in, in that. <laughs> how are you doing this? Uh, how are you doing um, in the Midwest? Doing really well. The weather is nice, cold now, but... Um... A little bit more optimistic now after last weekend, so that's great. <laughs> this week as opposed to <laughs> what we've had the last, uh, the nine matches prior to that. But it, it was interesting because you and I were chatting off the air as a Stuttgart supporter from America and being you know an English speaker and an English uh, reader <laughs> as it is, it's <laughs> not super easy for us to follow information about the club. And you and I were talking about trying to come up with the different resources that are out there. So the two questions I have for you is, you know, where do we get information and how do we watch that information? So let's, let's start at the national level, right? At the national level, I think most American supporters are used to the website 
Kicker. Okay. And Kicker has a ton of information about all kinds of leagues, but in particular the Bundesliga. We go there all the time because we don't really know what happens in the match. So we go to Kicker all the time to help with analyzing what actually went down and what we saw. Where does that rate uh, in your eyes? Okay, so I love Kicker. I have the Kicker app on my phone. I have it ever since I have a smartphone. That's my number one source, really. I also always go on Kicker and see what they thought about the game because that sometimes differs a little bit from what I see through my fandom <laughs> view. But um, no, I only can recommend Kicker for everyone who is interested also a little bit in the Bundesliga or any other soccer league or even like other sports they have even an american football section that's not very informative so don't do that but (laughs) for for soccer um i or for stuttgart or for bundesliga i can only recommend kicker there they only present really factual news they help more with interpreting those news in their articles i think so they don't like throw out a hundred articles per week but therefore really high quality articles in my opinion so yeah, I used Kicker for my entire life. I, I, I had I used to have the print. Um, it's like a magazine more. So no, I only can recommend it for everyone who wants to get like kind of understanding a little bit more around than just getting the actual news. Okay, so on, what about their rating system? Because for Americans, it's kind of hard for us to understand the one through six rating system. Like, <laughs> Matt and I talked about in part one, you know, see loss got a one which is the best rating you can possibly get and six is the lowest rating do you find their rating system kind of just works for you and does it jive with what you watch on match days so i always thought they were really really critical um (laughs) so i think it is really like if you're playing a good game not an amazing game but you're playing a good game you usually end up with a three three and a three point five which would be 50%, which would be failure here, right? right. In Germany, it's not failure. And Germany, failure starts like when you're worse than a four. So, so like a five and a six is really bad. You don't want that. And players, I feel like players usually tend to be around the three to 3.5 grade when they're doing an okay game. But if they're really, really good, they get a really good grade. But if they're really bad, they get a really bad grade. I think their grading system works for me because I, I kind of like grew up with it and I know how to interpret it. I think just like the middle ground is a little bit too harsh, maybe. It's interesting. I think most of my students would be really happy if that's the grading <laughs> we had in America instead. Yeah, it seems like most of the time, uh, Stuttgart players always tend to be around three and a half and uh, trying to interpret mm-hmm. whether that's that's above average or below average is kind of tough for us. So three, three and a half, you've had a pretty good game then? Um, I would say, yeah, I, I would say like with a three, you have a, you have a, a good normal game. Like you did what you're expected to do. Oh, I okay. think you get, you end up with a three or three and a half. Okay. And then for everything, a little bit un, underachieving, you get more in this four area. And when you're overachieving, you get in this two. And when you're really, really amazing, you get in this one area. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he definitely deserved his one this week. So I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't debate that. <laughs> yeah. What about, you mentioned how Kicker doesn't put out a ton of articles, but the articles they do put out are usually pretty high quality. Let's go to a, the next one out there that puts out a ton of information, which is Build, uh, capital oh, yeah. B-I-L-D. 
Um, I'm going to let you go on this. I know a little bit about the, if you follow Twitter for about two seconds, you get a pretty good impression of what people think about build, <laughs> but I'll let you go with this one. Uh, one, what do you go to it for or what should an American go to it for? And two, what do you think about it? And so I don't think anyone should go for anything on build. <laughs> <laughs> um, like if you take kicker, the complete opposite is build. Like they bring out tons of information as you said, and some of them are right. And then they're the first ones or among the first ones who have it. And that's great. But um, some information are misleading, incomplete, maybe not the whole story are in there, or they are also for other areas than soccer, they're really opinionated, but in soccer too. So sometimes they go kind of with the worst case scenario and just to like follow their agenda. So. I think, yeah, if you like really want the newest rumors, that's a okay site to go to. Um, but if you really want like only the right facts, only the complete facts, I would highly recommend to use more like the regional Stuttgart media. Well, what do you think? Because since I've been a supporter of this club and I, based on what I've read, it is pretty typical for there to be a lot of drama that comes out yes. of the main headquarters of Bauf Bay. Uh, I would have to imagine that Bill loves Stuttgart because of all the, the, the infinite seems to take place. Are they ever accurate or is it just, a, are any of the rumors that they post out there? So for example, about Beryl versus Mislintop, there's a lot of info out there and there were some Twitter fights going back and forth between Stuttgart supporters about you can't trust Bill. Don't base your opinion about any player or any management uh, personnel based on what they say. So is there, does Bill provide any kind of service for an American at all, or is it just clickbait as they say? I would say it is really mostly clickbait. I think where Bill has its biggest merit and where I would consider going on it is like when, when it comes to new player signings, like they are, they're good informed and, all the rumors, like they're always rumors. So we never know if this pl player X is really coming or not, but um, Build usually has a really early insight on that, at least in the past. So maybe if you're looking for like the, uh, like the off season time or in the break in between the first and the second half of the season, and it comes to player acquisition or maybe recon reconstruction of contracts, then I could see how Build could work for you and obviously their language is really easy to understand so mm -hmm. if you're learning german maybe that's a good idea <laughs> yeah the articles are always really short i always have to be very careful when i log on to my school computer and try to read a build article because the pictures at the bottom usually there's half naked people all over the place oh. so i definitely have to be a little bit careful about that. <laughs> um, you mentioned when you're talking about building about the, the local paper so those those seem to be the two big national ones that we can go to. And it seems like Kicker is definitely the one for more info. In terms of local, the one that I was really familiar with for a long time was the uh, Stuttgarter uh, Nachrit. Uh, but the other one that really seems to have come out, at least online, is the uh, SWR. I'm not sure how to pronounce, pronounce it. So are those the two main local papers and is one better than the other? Or, does, or do they both provide the same info? Or what are your thoughts? So um, I 
Drop with Stuttgarter Zeitung, which is when they fusion with Stuttgarter Nachrichten, so it's now the same thing. Mm. Um, SWR is the TV radio channel that is locally to the state. Um, oh. So it is like a total different thing. What I would like to mention in the local media when it comes to print and like newspapers is like the Zeitungsverlag Weibling VW. Oh, okay. Um, I think like we can go over them together with Stuttgarter Nachrichten, Stuttgarter Zeitung, because I think they both have good podcasts. I, I know this is more for like people that can understand German, but when I came to the US, I learned a lot of English by listening to football podcasts in English. So if you're learning, that's a great way to kind of enhance your understanding. Um, they have good, like they, they have their um, reporters. A couple of them are on Twitter and those are great to follow. They bring also good articles articles out um, as well as like the breaking news, but they work really professional. So they don't post anything until they have it confirmed for a second source other than, for example, Build or some of those um, Twitter reporters that made up all kinds of information last week. So I think those are two great websites if you want kind of like the day-to-day -day articles. They probably post one article per day at least. Um, they interpret the games, they give grades too, so they're usually a little bit, um, yeah, the middle ground is a little bit more positive than kickers, so they're not <laughs> as hard in grading, I would say. But yeah, no, I, I like both new sources. Yeah, it's, the one that, um, the Stuttgarter Zeitung, um, mm -hmm. was the one that, when I first became a supporter, that's one that I went to all the time to try to get information. I wasn't really familiar with the uh, ZVW um, and the Zaitong has I think it now has a pay window or a pay portal so that's mm. a little bit difficult uh, for American supporters now you can't just hop on there and hit the translate button and try to figure out what's going on um, I'm interested so the SWR is that is the run by Danny not run by but Danny Gom is he the one uh, no he uh, Danny Gam is um, at the Zeitungsverlag Weibling, like the CVW. Okay, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for clearing all that up. All right, so he seems to be pretty active on Twitter and putting a lot of stuff out there too. Exactly what you said is trying to calm everybody down that uh, there's a lot of rumors out there. This is Stuttgart after all, but he's only going to report when he has details and facts and stuff like that. So I've, I've started to follow him quite a bit uh, just because it seems like he's kind of the voice of reason so far of, of some of the media that's out there. I, I like what you said. So Build is kind of the FARC out there crazy person who's just saying everything. Uh, Kicker's the very kind of uh, fact-based, somewhat negative person. And the Danny Gong, uh, the Not Written, the ZVW, they're, they're kind of the middle ground places you can go for stuff that is sourced pretty well and kind of gives a local flavor to to what's going on yeah i think that's you can say that yeah it's okay. not too wrong um about the about the paywall it should get a nachrichten i know they have an app called mine vfb mm -hmm. and it's like two dollars a month so really cheap but i don't know if you can still translate the articles there mm -hmm. what i have found often with paywalls is that if you stop the loading process on your website at the right timing you get the article but the paywall isn't up yet so uh -huh. maybe something you want to try 
Well, we we are all, uh, you know, if we if we associate with this club and we consider ourselves, you know, Swabian, then uh, we're all very cheap and miserly and want to say <laughs> so i'm sure anybody who's listening to this is trying to hit the stop button as soon as soon as they can let's let's get to uh kind of the fan i guess opinions on this and it seems like ever since i, I want, want to give a real quick shout out to uh the str Balaf bay uh, podcast which was run by um i think ricky palm was the famous person uh locally who ran who ran that and um it was, he was very active on Twitter. He they hung up uh, the podcast of you know about a week or two ago, um, and it seems like first off, shout out to him. Uh, he was very passionate. Um, I, I love, even though I didn't understand a lot of what was going on, it's always fun to kind of watch how excited he would get with the match. Um, he had that famous five hour interview with Sven Mislintat after match day thirty four that everybody just loved. I watched it with my grandma. And didn't understand much, but it was it was a lot of fun to do that. It seems like since he's kind of stepped aside or that podcast has stepped aside, there's a, almost a vacuum as to which fan voice is going to be the loudest. And the two that I've kind of found, and maybe you know some more, there's the Brewstring blog, which is very active on Twitter. And there's, I believe it's called Vertical Pass is the, the other one. As far as I know, they're both fan supported groups and, and that's awesome. Are there more than those or is it just those two or are those good places for Americans to go to get kind of a diehard fans opinion of what's going on? Yeah. So first of all, big shout out to Ricky um, for the SDR podcast. Like when you saw them kind of growing and it is just amazing what they build up together. He and Sebastian um, together. But yeah, Ricky, I think, was the main person in charge and Sebastian was more like the um, permanent guest <laughs> on it. Um, if I, I hope I say that right. I, um, if they see this or listen to this, I hope I'm not saying any bullshit. Um, <laughs> but um, so I agree with you. They left a big vacuum that I didn't fill for myself yet either. I know there are other blocks like the ones you mentioned, and I know um, there are also great fan podcast other great fan podcasts out there but i had not yet really the chance to really see if i would recommend them or not like I, i've listened to a couple ones in the past but not really consistently so couldn't give you any more better information or other tips for that but um it is maybe worth mentioning that like vertical pass is run by sebastian who oh, was okay. the guest of like who did the SDR podcast together with Ricky. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. All right. But you know what? Actually, let's take a step back. You were telling me, uh, we were texting back and forth and you were giving me kind of the background story to the SDR podcast. And um, I think our listeners would be, I found it just really interesting how they started from almost nothing and it became this super, I, I don't know if you could say powerful. That's probably I doubt there's any podcast that has actual power, but they, they became very influential. Would you mind just from your recollection? And don't worry if I doubt they're going to listen to this, if it's any BS. <laughs> but from your recollection, I just found the story of how they started and how big they became uh, just so interesting. If you wouldn't mind you know, breaking down your memories of that. No, not at all. Uh, it was a good podcast right from the beginning it was a very long podcast a lot of 
game analytics in it and but it was like yeah it was like a fan podcast kind of like ours not the best sound quality was just like they did it like they said they mentioned it often that they did it for themselves it was their hobby their little project they didn't mind spending money on it because it is like you know as if you would go golfing or so (laughs) so but then they got more and more listeners because their work was good and they with those more listeners they got um they went on patreon and got their supporters they got other donations so it was completely fan funded Ah. um, until the end and they became more and more professional and with this more more and more professional like better sound quality they they bought great equipment at the end they were live on youtube they became more and more popular and more followers would come and then first at one point um actually vfb reached out to them at the beginning they said it was more like the pr the head of pr that just um would call them to yell at them what they tell about them and that they should shut <laughs> up and whatever <laughs> uh, but yeah at, at the end like they had Sven Mistintat um for five hours in their podcast so obviously you can do that only if you have really good connections to the club Vele was planned but it didn't work out somehow and now obviously they canceled their podcast unfortunately but the amount of time and energy they both but especially Ricky invested in that I think it was just not really um working out with his private life and his real job because they did that not as their main job that's crazy because I remember when you told me that I didn't know he had a job outside of the podcast because <laughs> it just seemed to be so all-encompassing. And you mentioned a lot of things. In case anybody's thinking we're telling this story because we want to get some uh, fan funding, there's a couple of things. Number one, uh, they were professional. We clearly are not. They had great sound quality. <laughs> we clearly do not. Um, people wanted to talk to them. Nobody wants to talk to you or I, honestly. <laughs> we're on our lunch break right now. So uh, they have a lot of things. So don't send us your money at all. We're, we're, we're fine oh. the way it is. But um, I just, I, it's crazy how they just start off as, as uh, fans. And it became, honestly, I do think the most powerful voices on at least the, the, the avenues that I follow, Twitter and, and online, in terms of getting people to get excited or getting people to calm down. Um, it seemed like all Ricky had to do was say, Hey, it's all good. And everybody like, Oh, okay. It's all good. Where I think if I said, Hey, it's all good. Everybody'd be like, you're a moron. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Things are actually getting worse right now. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with like what happened in the last couple of years, like how much it grew because he, they ended up having inside information also that they said, like, we know something about them, but we promised not to tell it on the podcast, but it helped them kind of interpreting the news. Or sometimes they would say some things like, don't worry about this player. There's nothing on it. Like this rumor isn't true. Like just trust us on that. Like, so it was like, they never revealed any sources who told them what or so they just like, maybe told like about those really negative experiences with people that are not working for VFB anymore but it was not that they were like in any way like they were looking for this famousness or something it really came to them and it grew naturally and that's why I think their voices were so believable and then as you said also powerful because obviously they made also podcasts with those um, president candidates I don't know if you remember that, but when like Klaus Vogt was running against Bjorn Steiger, I think was his name. So they had 
also those both candidates at um as guests and other podcasts did that too so Wow. But they had a clear, like, they did not tell anyone how to vote, but I think they were, like, criticizing both of them. But there was one candidate where there was a lot more to criticize about. <laughs> but there were, but in my op uh, opinion, they were always fair and objective. It, it's an awesome story. It, uh, we wish them well. Hopefully, like a lot of people, they, uh, they come back, you know, at some point. Uh, kind of surprised that they walked away, but... They did great work. So if they are listening, we just want to say a shout out to them. And uh, thanks for all the work that they did. And um, you know what? Maybe we are coming after them because, Hannes, guess what? You're <laughs> our insider. What do you think about that? Well, I wouldn't mind, but I don't think I could ever step in those footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We just talk nonsense anyway. So as long as you that, you'll be all right. Yeah, let's talk about, let's wrap. The, all right. So it sounds like there's a lot of, it sounds like the places to go would be kicker for sure to, to get an overview of what's going on. And then the local papers, ZVW and Zeitung online, if you can hit the stop button in time to not have to pay <laughs> foul. Although two bucks isn't too much. I thought this was really interesting. You brought this up is so for an Americans, for us to watch Stuttgart, we have to uh, subscribe to ESPN and you get ESPN plus is $10 a month and they have all of the games, all the matches. And they moved from Fox Sports, I believe, two years ago. Maybe it was three years ago. And the downside was Fox covered all the Zweite League, all the second league games, which as a Stuttgart supporter can, can come in pretty handy sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, when ESPN took over, they only do maybe one a week of the second league game. So that's, that's kind of a bummer. But basically, it's 10 bucks a month. You get to watch – any Bundesliga match you want. They have most of the Pokal matches, which is going to be uh, going on this week. As a German who lives in the States now, I mean... I really love ESPN. So considering yeah. you guys were paying 50 I think we'll stop complaining, especially <laughs> when I was just complaining to you about a $2 paywall to get on. <laughs> 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 there. No, that's... I remember the second... That's one of the reasons why Americans are so that support the Bundesliga want their club to stay in the first division because it's all, it's so difficult to watch your club. If it's in the second division, I remember mm -hmm. that year, there was no scoreboard. There was no clock. There was no announcing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it was really cool. Uh, Cause you could just hear the fans and the supporters. And sometimes it was really neat, but you're like, I wish I knew what the time was in this. <laughs> and then the one season that they were relegated, um, I think it was 2016, 17, I subscribed to Valif Bay TV. And I don't know if they still have that or not. It was on a tape delay. So I had to wait two or three hours before I could actually watch. And I don't know if they've, they fixed that. I don't know if it's still something or, or, or what, but uh, that was only 45 Euro for the year. Now this was three or four mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and it was always nice because you got the local Stuttgart announcer. And the one word that I learned was uh, shade, shade, shade. <laughs> It's just bad, bad, bad. <laughs> all the time. So, all right. So it sounds like we're in good shape there. Let's, we only got a minute or two left. Let's wrap up here. Uh, I want to give you, Matt and I talked about it, but I want to get your quick reaction to the uh, the big long-awaited win versus Bochum. Uh, you already said the sun is uh, the sun is shining out there. How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the result is great, and that's all that matters at the end. Obviously, um, 
it, like Bochum should have scored more or Stuttgart should have should have scored less. I um I think Stuttgart was really effective, which is great, and it was just kind of a new side for that for that team. So I think we shouldn't be sorry about this result, even if it was a little bit too high. But hey, now we have the chance also with a hopefully a win over Bielefeld to get some momentum going. So like, I feel like a lot of their individual mistakes by the players were maybe also due to self, low self-confidence. So if we can kind of give them a little bit of a self-confidence boost with two wins in like those couple of days, hopefully an okay game against Dortmund that like, I hope something can grow out of this win, even yeah. though it was not as pretty as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the theme that Matt and I talked about is that it was efficient. It was ruthlessly efficient. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a beautiful match. It was funny that, Anyway, we mentioned it. How many people said this was the worst match they've seen Stuttgart play all year? And it was the <laughs> best result we've had all year. What about uh, going forward? We got the the Pokal match, and then we got Dortmund on Saturday. How are you feeling about those two? Yeah, I think Bielefeld, <laughs> Bielefeld, we always lose to them, right? So I don't know really what <laughs> to feel about them. Bielefeld is doing really poorly in the second week right now, but Pokal is always different. Like, I don't know. In Germany, we have the saying the Pokal has its own loss because <laughs> everyone can beat everyone on a good day, right? Mm-hmm. So, and because it's um, it's sudden death at the end, so there is a result at the end. There's not a two games and the best out of those wins or gets in the next round. So, like, a penalty shootout, like, the worst team in Germany can beat the best team in Germany on a penalty shootout because it's everyone who plays soccer can get a ball 11 <laughs> meters right you know but um yeah so i don't know how to feel really about bielefeld i think it's a uh, it could really help us getting a momentum going and then against dortmund you can people say you can only win against them but obviously you can also lose when you look like totally incompetent out there but <laughs> when you see how they played against bayern i think they're not going to look really incompetent about that. So I think there's a great chance. There's a, But there's also like kind of a grounding chance if you lose against Bielefeld, then I think all of our little positivity is gone again and they have to rebuild that then in the next couple of games. Yeah, let's hope uh, it's just a momentum train of positivity and happiness, much like it is out in uh, the Midwest right now for you behind. I can see in the window behind you there. The sun is shining and <laughs> stuff. So, Hannes, thanks so much for giving us some insight on the TV coverage. So we should be happy about that and where Americans can go to get some kind of insight, whether it's a national level or a local level and all that stuff. So super appreciated. Uh, hopefully we can talk to you next week after two two wins in one week. How great would that be? A Bielefeld win and maybe get a result on the road at Dortmund. Huh? Who, who knows? Yeah, that would be amazing. It's always a pleasure to be on. All right, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Welcome back to part three. Thanks again to Hannes for giving us some insight on where we should go to get some information and what kind of information uh, we should get you know, if we want to find out about uh, all the drama that is that is this club. And there's just, Matt, there's always so much drama starting with the top, right? So let's deal with questions and headlines and start with the headlines here. Um, did you know 
that we still don't have a full-time head coach yet. I was aware of that. (laughs) My favorite rumor that broke over the week was the idea that Stuart was going to go with two head coaches. If you have two head coaches, you have no head coaches. Or when you have no head coach, you have no head coach. Ooh. I, think I read that in a fortune cookie last night. So I don't know <laughs> you say, you've got to start that off with like Confucius says or something. <laughs> well, I don't know how much we're good at telling fortunes because last week we were 0 for 3. So the rumors last week were that Adi Hooter, Sebastian Hooter, <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hooters, we still need a sponsor because Red Stripe won't return our phone calls. Sebastian Honus and uh, somebody whose last name has an umlaut in it. And uh, Honus tried it tell me how to say it but i think it was lou yeah okay oh and i knew that they were going to uh they were the rumored front runners and none of them they either all said thanks no thanks or it wasn't true uh sven mislintot said to the papers quote we only started approaching people the day after we dismissed uh, Pellegrino out of respect to Pellegrino. So that was last monday and went on to say we remained very clear in our game philosophy and our identity of the club so to some people, that's a great sign, right? We're going to stay the path. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, to some people, that's great because it means Sven still has a lot of say in in what is going on. Uh, to other people, they're like, uh, it's been a week. And we still don't have a head coach. So this is kind of weird. So the two front runners as of today are from the uh, Danish and the uh, from Netherlands is Jess Thorup and Alfred Schrader are the leaders in the clubhouse. Now, Jess coaches... FC Copenhagen. He won two Danish titles, one Danish cup, currently seventh in the Dutch league. He's in the champions league, although they're uh fourth place there. Uh, he had 88 matches there in uh, the Danish league. And I misspoke when I said currently there, he's currently unemployed because they just let him go. So he's in number one. Uh, number two is Alfred who currently is still coaching for Ajax. They're first in the Netherlands. Uh, they're third in their group in the Champions League, so they'll most likely likely get demoted to the uh, Europa League. Uh, he coached for Hoffenheim for one year and was dismissed after one season where they finished in sixth place in 2019-2020. Um, he was an assistant to Nagelsmann, which everybody's super excited about. But to me, the more exciting news is he was an assistant to our favorite guy, Hube Stevens, who helped save the club not once, but twice. So... Do any of these names do anything for you, Matt? The, both of those guys are interesting. Um, I like that both of them have Champions League experience. They've got good experience. That, that Dutch league is uh, underrated. It's a, a feeder league to a lot of other leagues. They get really promising young talent and a lot of the teams there. Ajax in particular is really, really good at developing players and sending them off to huge careers elsewhere. So you would think that uh, somebody who coached at Ajax would be good at player development, which is something that we desperately need with our young squad. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little disappointed, honestly, that the the first two candidates went nah right away. <laughs> that that doesn't make me feel really great. I almost kind of wish that Sven had said, uh, you know, we're gonna have Vimmer take us to the world cup break and we're going to start having some conversations with people. Now we're going to, you know, investigate a lot, but we're not, 
we're not going to rush this process. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to take our time. And then maybe there wouldn't be this, and, and I'm guilty of doing this too, like people checking in their phones constantly and seeing, is, is there an update? Is there an update? Yeah, it's funny. And I will bow to your pronunciation and pronounce it IAX now. It's just <laughs> like cleaner in my I wasn't going to call you out on it. <laughs> I need Austin back on this podcast so badly. To make it he, he, I imagine Austin would pronounce it Applejacks. <laughs> oh, Austin, wherever you're at, we need you back just to make us look better. That's as simple as that. Yeah, the problem with uh, the IX coach, Schrader, is he's apparently the guy with a better pedigree, but he's under contract still. So they would have to give up a little bit of money to get him. And Ajax actually paid Bruges, which was his club prior to Ajax, for him to come over there. But I guess they're a little disappointed with their Champions League um, results. Whereas, yes, somebody on Reddit uh, asked the FC Copenhagen fans about this guy. And they provided some really great info. And he is, based on their analysis... I think Jess is going to be the guy if it's between these two guys, because he is okay. a Pellegrino clone. Everything that the Copenhagen fans said about him, it was exactly what we've been saying about Pellegrino. He, he's great at developing young players. He plays a system that is kind of a wing back type system. He's very kind mm -hmm. of uh, uh, regimented in that he makes substitution patterns, usually the right ones, but usually 10 minutes too late, which is something you like to say. Oh, man. <laughs> I, everything screams that we're going to get this guy, Jess. And yeah, what, what do I know? I don't know if, if he's able to develop these guys and we're keeping the same system, you know, so be it. But I, I bet it's going to be that guy. There, there is something to be said about getting uh, a new coach that does, if not the same system, a similar system, because we've got the players in to do that. So shifting systems hard in the middle of the season, mm -hmm. especially, uh, when we know the money isn't there for a massive transfer window to seriously shake up the roster. Um, there, there's some sense in that. The idea that he makes uh, all of his substitutions 10 minutes late is giving me heartburn already. One of my favorite comments was somebody said that he often wouldn't substitute two defensive fullbacks in in the 80th minute, even though they were down two goals. And I thought Matt is going to love this guy. Oh, God, I'm... <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm going to need to stock up on vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, part of me is like, build a statue of Vimmer. I mean, he got to win. What the hell? <laughs> he's he's going to do it. Um, Sven Mussentop was basically on the field uh, for the entire match. He got some criticism from some of the old guard in Stuttgart who didn't like the fact that he was talking to the players during the match, that he was – in their minds, interrupting what Vimmer was trying to do. And the new guard was like, shut up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sven and Vimmer are basically lockstep. So it's, it's not that, that big of a deal. Uh, everybody knows that Vimmer's a, a caretaker until the next, you know, coach shows up. So I, I kind of am interested in your idea though, of just saying, listen, let's play this Vimmer thing out until the world cup break. And let's see what happens. Cause yeah, we got Dortmund coming up, but we also have a struggling Leverkusen. We've got Augsburg. I think we've got Hertha Berlin coming up. Um, let's not rush this and let's make the right call. It's just, it's not that, it's what, three weeks? Three, 
a month tops that yeah. we we've got to do that. I think it's November twelfth. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you bring whoever you bring in, how much of an impact are they going to have in a week mm -hmm. or in two weeks? So I just I I would if they feel like they've got their guy then make the move and get your guy, right? But don't rush the process for the sake of getting somebody in before this break. Because um, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. You get back from, from holiday break. You've seen it professionally, right? You get back from holiday break. You've got a couple weeks with the kids. They go on spring break. Everything's out the window. I'm betting that we would get the guy, uh, not the IX guy, uh, the other dude, because he doesn't have a buyout. And Stuttgart is nothing if not fiscally responsible. Uh, That's currently. a very polite way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a bank account much like my bank account right now. It's but trending towards zero. If we would just buy more of their delightful but slightly overpriced gin, they would be able to spend more on players and coaches. This episode brought to you by Stuttgart Gin. It's high quality stuff. <laughs> In high volume, so it all works out for me quite well. Yeah, I I, I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? We were over three last week. Maybe we'll be over two, you know, this week. Uh, all I know is I almost want Vimmer to not coach against Dortmund because I love the idea of him being perfect, of <laughs> one for one, having that one win. If you remember, there was somebody Olaf uh, Jansen, I think it was, who took over for Lou uh, Lou Hockey when we were in the second division before we ended up getting, I think Hannes Wolf, he went two for two. So his mm -hmm. career as a Stuttgart coach, six points in two matches. There's just something very perfect about that. So if they're going to make a change, I hope they make it quick so that Viver <laughs> can go out with his, uh, his perfect record intact. For the random Stuttgart trivia stuff. I'm with you. Cause that'd be a fun, random piece of knowledge to pull out uh, at a bar some night where everybody would then look at us and go, who and what? What bar are you going to go to where you're going to ask random Stuttgart trivia to people? <laughs> Everyone I go to, Travis. <laughs> this guy's been 86 out of more bars in Michigan. Than <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's. All right, so let's get into some of the questions. Somebody from the OFC asks, "Who do you think is responsible for the lack of success at Valpy? Is it Sven? Is it Pellegrino?" This person posted that they blame Mislintot. And got a lot of uh, negative feedback for this. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. You, I don't want to put words in your mouth, basically said you can't separate one from the other. We're a week. Yeah, that's two. fair. You, you changing your mind on that or are you sticking to it? No, it's, you know, Sven has made it abundantly clear that uh, Reno was his guy. And um, he... He's made all the player decisions during Reno's tenure, so it's not like Reno had time with with one player philosophy and then time with another player philosophy. So I feel like they're tied together. It's kind of Sven's in an interesting position where he's got a he's got to show that he can do this without his safety blanket with him. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I wouldn't give that our OFC member who made that claim uh, a hard time about it. I think it's a fair and reasonable statement. Um, I don't know if that's ultimately, if I would pin all of this on him, but he's got to take his share of the blame for sure. Yeah. I think it's a shared blame. Everybody's involved. It was just, I think it was more bad luck than anything else. And we saw finally some good luck 
this past weekend. It's as it's, it's simple as that, I think. And that gets into the next question. The Village Footballer asked, you know, you know, what a feeling. It was against a, a struggling Bochum side, but seriously, we needed this. And this can't be a flash in the pan. Uh, the emotion, the performance, and, of course, the clinical finishing. So the question, corner turned or not? Captain Armadillo asked the same thing. Was this really the turnaround? And if so, why? I'm going to start off. I'm going to say no. I, I'm Mr. Positive on this podcast, and I don't mean this to be negative. I just don't think much changed. I think Bochum's a really lousy club. We finally had some luck and we finished. And so I don't, I don't know if this was a turnaround in terms of, of the way we play. I think we still play the same way. We still make the same silly mistakes. Um, we still have the same exciting talent. It's just, we had a tiny bit of luck for once and we finished for once and it equaled up to three points. And if any of those things, the luck or the finishing had taken place, just two of the previous 10 matches, Pellegrino's still here. Yeah. I'm <clears throat> I'm with you on this, uh, but I won't even go quite as hard as no. I'm just going to say it's too early to tell. Uh, we've got the, the Pokal match against uh, Bielefeld coming up. Bielefeld's not an impressive team. Bochum's historically bad, as we've talked about. If we can continue some momentum, we play well, get a, a positive result against Bielefeld. And then if we can hang with Dortmund, not even if we beat them, if we give Dortmund a serious game and take them to the wire, uh, like we did against Bayern Munich earlier this season and show a little bit more flair and the attack, a little bit more creativity, maybe look a little more dangerous. Um, then yeah, maybe I'll start buying that the corners turn, but I'm, I'm not convinced it is yet. Uh, but it's just because it's too early to tell. Yeah, I agree with what David said on Twitter. David Small said, yeah, it's, it was Bochum, but this was exactly what we need. And something we talked about earlier in part one is we finally broke the pattern quote of playing down to the level of our opponent. I think that's exactly it. The, the one season we had a lot of success uh, under Pellegrino was when we played above the level of those teams that were beneath us. And it was really quite that, that simple. We didn't beat hardly anybody who was ranked one through eight. We beat everybody but Freiburg, who was ranked 10 through 18. And we finally, we finally did that. So I think mm-hmm. I'm hoping I agree with you. I, I'm hoping this is a turnaround in terms of the finishing and the confidence is there. And that, that can definitely, you know, build up. And speaking of that camp, Captain Armadillo asks, we'll see laws continue on his trajectory to become once more the threat that we so sorely needed. Kicker gave him a one in terms of ranking. And like Hannes and I talked about in part two, one is the highest ranking you can get. He was the OFC man of the match. 22 people voted, the most people in our OFC that voted. 21 chose uh, Silas, so congratulations, Silas, for whatever that's worth. Um, what do you think? Is, is this – we were calling for him to be benched the week before, which shows exactly what we know. What about now? Do you think now he's going to get that statue next to Vimmer outside? Bench him. <laughs> now, he, he was a player desperately in need of a confidence boost, and this could be that for him, and I – I really, really hope it is Um, because as I I put on Twitter, you know, we saw after one of his goals, he ran up and he was right. There was the the disabled fan section celebrating with a, you know, leaning away over the rail to give a dude in a wheelchair a huge hug. Like that's, he's just a good dude. Right. And we've seen that time and time again. And we, he, he can't get more likable. 
So I want Silas to be the face of this team. I want him to be an all-star. I want Manchester City to be calling us, <laughs> begging us to sell him. And I want Sven to say no. <laughs> I love um, <laughs> I didn't see that part until later you posted it. And it was just like, it's such a heartwarming thing. And guys do stuff for optics all the time. I honestly believe there's the Stuttgart is a club where a lot of these guys play for. You know, Pablo Mafio, we're not talking to you, but yeah. that's why these guys play for. And it, especially the young guys, right? It, it, it pulls at their heartstrings a bit because this is the club that is their launching pad, or this is the club yeah. that gave them the chance. You know, you're a Clement, maybe you are a, a Vita League player, and that is, you know, what it is. And there's there's no, no shame in that. And think of uh, Al Gadoui. Most Stuttgart fans love Al Gadoui. He plays in the Greek League, I believe just because he was a good dude. I remember after Silas scored that goal, he was pointing to the back of his jersey to the Stuttgart sign that is at the top by their shoulders there. And just like, mm-hmm. this club has been there for him. He's been there for this club. And you just hope it kind of all comes together. And on that that particular day, it did. Uh, you've been talking about, yeah, he just needs some confidence. He had the knee issue. He seemed like his touch was awful. Sometimes you've got to play a scrub team to get kind of the, the, the rust out, you know, rust only yeah. where we're at and, and to get that confidence going. So yeah, Kevin, on real. I, I hope this is, I, I think it will be. Um, and you talked about this last year that once C loss is able to open up that one side of the pitch, that mm-hmm. opens up the other side of the pitch. For, yeah. for Sosa. So hopefully that's what happens. That's fingers crossed, man. Cause if, if he can be that dangerous player, um, a, it'll be fun to watch him because he's just a ball of positive energy, which is something you and I both need in our lives. Um, and probably <laughs> most of the people who follow this team. So it's, and it, it's just great to see him playing with such joy and such passion. So if we can get that, that'll make even games that we don't come out victorious more fun to watch. Um, but also you get Silas streaking down the right. You can maybe get a, a Chris Furich on the left or a, a Pereira doing some damage over there. It can change the entire complexion of what the attack looks like from this team. And I'm very excited about those possibilities. Speaking of other players who are attacking on this team, Midwest Shweba asked a simple question. Uh, which players were the strongest and weakest today? We we already talked about Silas. He was the strongest in that match. Um, who outside of uh, Silas, and maybe we already mentioned him. Who do you think would be MVP 2.0 on this uh, team for the match against Bochum? Who else really sh- kind of caught your eye? Uh, I think Enzo Malo was the the second best player. Well, maybe the best player on the field, but he didn't put the, the ball in the net like Silas did. He was just a, a game changer for us in the midfield and changed how that team looks and the complexion of what we can do in transition there. Let me ask you this, because we if you put Malo in the starting lineup, who do you pull out of that lineup? And so he's a midfielder, right? So Ahamada has basically cemented himself in the starting lineup. Endo is in the starting lineup. Um does Malo take over for Karazor, who kind of plays more of a defensive position? Do you offense there? Uh because if you're putting in Enzo Malo, you're definitely a much more aggressive offensive team. And if you have Malo and Amada, Ahamada, those are two young guys who are probably going to make some mistakes. 
be pretty aggressive. What do you think? Who do you replace? If you put, I, I think I would replace Karazor on that because Endo can fill that role. And Endo is also a little bit better in transition than Karazor is. Karazor is a little bit more uh, sound defensively just because he doesn't take the offensive chances that Endo does. Um, but then you're not getting that offensive upside. So if we're going to be a little more attack friendly, yeah, let's go with Ahamada and Melo, which gives us a little more speed, a little more creativity. And just tell Endo, hey, dude, you're the last line before it gets to the back three. Mm-hmm. So you've got to play a little bit more responsibly back here. Yeah, and talking about the back three, Flappy Viking asks, you know, would you like to see some youngsters given a chance in our Pokal match? And if so, which ones? Or should Vimmer lay our starters out there so as not to risk breaking the momentum? So with that in mind, Matt, why don't we move on to part four in our predictions? Okay, here we are in part four in our prediction. You know what? In part two, Hannes was talking about how the STR Valve Bay podcast led by Ricky Palm uh, started off much like us, but then over time became much more professional in terms of their sound quality and editing. And I, oh, dare they. yeah, I challenge anybody to compare us to them because <laughs> I don't think we will ever reach that level of quality sound editing or, or any kind of uh, quality actually at all. So there you go. Yeah. What are you going to do? All right. We're staying on brand. <laughs> we are what we are. We've got Hooters, Rust-Oleum, Red Stripe, as our main potential sponsors so far. All right, so we're in part four predictions. We got the Pokal match. As we record this, it's tomorrow. But as we post it, it'll be about an hour from now. So how's that for a little back to the future? Noise? A lot of time travel. There's a lot going on. So we host Bielefeld. They are bad. They're 18th and last place in the second division. They are just in all kinds of trouble ever since they got relegated last season. Um, we though are missing Dino is probably not going to play because of uh, the head injury he suffered against Bochum. Mm-hmm. Zagu is probably not going to play because of a knock, uh, that he has Anton may not play or he will not play because of the red card he had in the one previous match. Ahamada is questionable to play because of his ankle. Uh, Mueller didn't practice today because of a muscle injury injury, but uh, Bradlow was going to start anyway in this match. And uh, Vimmer, you know, came out and said, listen, uh, Mueller's going to start against uh, Dortmund. So don't even Matt start. <laughs> I, think nah. he, I think he mentioned you by name. Um, <laughs> our old friend, Mateo Klimowitz is playing for Bill Feld, but he hasn't been playing very many uh, minutes. What do you think about this match? And then what do you think the, uh, the sports books have this one at who's a favorite? If we can't beat a team from a town that doesn't exist, uh, what are we even doing? Does Bielefeld not exist? No, there's a whole conspiracy theory in Germany about how Bielefeld doesn't exist. Wow. To think, I, I encourage people, if, to the listeners, if you need 15 to 20 minutes of uh, <laughs> fascinating reading, um, Google... Uh, Bielefeld doesn't exist. There's a whole Wikipedia article on it that's really well written. Um, it started out as a joke 
on some radio program in Germany and it picked up steam. And now there are people like the flat earthers who legitimately think Bielefeld doesn't exist. Oh, that's fantastic. I wonder in part two, Hannes mentioned that he's worried about this match because we never beat Bielefeld. And I think he's right. I, I don't know if we've ever beaten these guys, no matter what. But it's hard to beat somebody who doesn't exist, Travis. <laughs> it's it, the logic just eats itself. It's, <laughs> it's nuts. So our back line in that match will probably be Hiroki Ito. And thank you, Bluey has by the way for telling me how to pronounce his name as I had been messing up that too. Uh, <laughs> then probably Karazor is going to be in that match. I don't know who your third center back is going to be. Stenzel? Stenzel, that's what it was. Right. So you got Stenzel, Ito, Karazor probably in the back. You know, Endo plays every minute forever. He's like a robot. Yeah. He just plays. Um, if Ahamada can't play, you got Malo who's going to play. Uh, Borna Sosa, it probably, you know, he needs match minutes. You know, Silas yeah. is out there. Um, I. I know every pod I keep talking about Juan Pereira. I'd love to see him play. Um, Kula Bali's working his way back. I mean, I love the Pokal. There were some great, you know, upsets today. I think uh, Gladbach lost to Darmstadt today. Um, the Stuttgarter kickers, unfortunately, lost to Frankfurt today. But the Pokal is fantastic. Why not? I would love to move on to the, the round of 16. And, and yeah. if, like you said, if – we can't beat Billefeld, even with some of our B guys. That's not a great sign. Um, and this is a great time for some of our B guys to play. So I'm excited for the match tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to watch all of it because it's at 245 EST or today at 245 EST. So it's going to be a little tough to watch it live. But I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, what do you think the uh, predictors have this one at? Who's the favorite? And then what do you think the odds are? I think uh, Stuttgart's got to be the favorite, and I'm going to say favorite by two. Oh, favorite by one. You're always a little bit bit optimistic in that one. So who you got? Man, if we don't win, uh, it's going to be a long, long wait until uh, we get our butts kicked by Dortmund. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I I honestly – I think we carry the momentum from last week and I think we make some stuff happen. And there's some guys who are going to get shots, uh, who haven't gotten them, who've, if you're Vimmer, you're sitting these guys down and saying, Hey, this is your opportunity. Make it really hard for me to keep you on the bench. Mm -hmm. Take, take hold of this. Uh, you know, make me make hard decisions and hopefully they do that. And we see somebody like Juan Pereira go assert his will over a bad Bielefeld team and get the fans clamoring for more of him in the first division. Yeah. And I would even be okay with Luca Pfeiffer. I think the, the guy was a goal scoring machine in the Zvita Liga. He's had some rough opening matches in the Bundesliga. Maybe he just needs to get one in to get that momentum going. I think you said something, I think really interesting on our private uh, channel. That sounded like a Patreon account, like our private <laughs> Sign up today for only $15 a month. <laughs> we were texting each other. That's how private it was. <laughs> it was yeah, that sounds but about how maybe just it shoot the ball. And sometimes the ball goes in. And yeah, I think maybe with 
the goals that they scored this week, that confidence of, hey, the ball's actually going in the net and maybe some of these guys will shoot and the ball will go in and they'll have that confidence to do it. So I've not, and this is scary, Matt, been this confident in a match since we were in the Zvita Liga and we played Vey and Weisbaden twice, Weisbaden twice. They were the worst team in the second division. They got relegated immediately after one season. And do you remember how Sugar did in both of those matches? I think I've blocked this from my memory on purpose. Oh, and two against the worst team in the league. And we still got promoted. I'm, I'm super pumped about this match. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited to watch a lot of these kids play. I, I think it's gonna be a great result for us. So I I'm pumped. I'm positive. I think it's gonna be like a three, zero, three, one. I think it'll be three, zero for us just so we can say, Hey, we finally stopped giving up goals at home. Cause we set the record uh, for most goals given up at home in a row. So, but this will be not in the Bundesliga, so it won't count, but we can at least say, Hey, the floodgates have stopped. I am confident Mueller will let in at least one howler. So <laughs> though he's not playing. <laughs> yep. He'll he'll find a way. Uh don't bring logic into this. Uh we're playing a team from a town that doesn't exist. <laughs> Mueller will find a way. <laughs> it's a goal. goalie who's not even playing. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I uh yeah, I Three nil makes a lot of sense and should be something that we can make happen. Um, I'm really hopeful to see Luca Pfeiffer in this game. Luca Pfeiffer was sold to the fan base as a uh, early prototype version of uh, Sasa Kalajic. Um, he's two meters tall, he's a gangly dude. Like, go out there and get some Luca, make it happen, mm-hmm. feast against your lessers, uh, give us something to cheer about. Yeah, you were a Vital League star and you're playing as Vital League team. It's time to, you know, put that there. So hopefully he can get some confidence early like he lost it. After that match, though, we turn around very quickly on Saturday. So after the match, you know, as we post today, we turn around Saturday and we travel to Dortmund. It's 14th place versus eighth place. Uh, we are two points behind Wolfsburg for first place for us, which is 12, um, 13. Um, we're five points behind Augsburg. Bad news is we only have two wins and five draws in our last 21 matches versus Dortmund. Our last win was that big one, five win on the road. Since then though, the match has been close two to three, two to one, zero to two. What do you think about this one? And then what do you think the, uh, the predictors have it for the, I honestly, I have no idea. I'm it's, it's imp- Impossible to say for me with the, the coaching stuff in flux. I don't know. What What do you think? Let's let's get your prediction. Oh, first. I'm the question asker. You put me on my heels <laughs> here. The the point the predictors have this is Stuart is the underdog, which makes sense. It's, uh, Stuart is getting a goal in this one, so one goal. Okay, I I was thinking two. So yeah, again, I, I'm overlapping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I don't know if we're going to win. I think we'll cover the the spread, though. I think we've traditionally played them pretty close. Uh, Dortmund is struggling. You don't know which Dortmund is going to show up. We tend to play well. You and I have talked about this against clubs that are higher up on the table that play much more open. Uh, there's a number of Dortmund players that are stressing due to the amount of time they're playing, trying to get World Cup attention. 
there was just a report out about how some of them feel like they're being played too much and, and their fitness is an issue. I think this is one of those weird things where we can go there and we can say it's us against the world. Nobody expects anything. Um, and, and, and let's, let's do it. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we, we came back with a point in this one. I'm oddly optimistic. It's just weird. I, I have more optimism playing teams that are top six than I do playing teams that are bottom six. I just feel we match up better against them. We'll be a little bit healthier, you know, cause some of those guys aren't going to be playing in the Pokal match. So we're going to rest them, whether it's on accident or on purpose, <laughs> um, you were going to have all the guys will be kind of in Vimmer system for the second week. I don't think we'll have a new coach by then. So I think it'll be him again. I think I like what you said earlier is that a lot of these guys are trying out for the new manager, whoever it is, whether it's Vimmer, yeah. whether it's some guy from the Danish league, they need to play their best. And I don't think they can be mentally checked out because I think the one, here's what I think Vimmer did. That was really nice. He benched a guy who's been a starter all year long in Hiroki Ito. And I think he sent a message that you got to perform. And I think to all of us, we thought Ito was performing, but something mm -hmm. was off. And so I think a message has been sent that your spot isn't safe and you got to perform. And there's not going to be a ton of pressure. And this team usually plays well when there's no pressure on them. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think there'll be a positive result. What about you? I honestly, it was feeling like it'd probably be a one nil loss, but you've, uh, you've turned me around this. I am now feeling more confident and feeling like this is something we might be able to pull a result out of. So cue the seven to one loss. Oh. <laughs> now, I don't know. You I mean, build me up and then you stab me right in the back. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I mean, why not? There's nothing. Um, we got that first win, uh, the guys are just kind of playing at this point. Uh, you know, Dortmund is, I think there's more pressure on Dortmund, oddly enough, because Bayern is weaker than they've been in a while. And Dortmund isn't the one that is pushing them down. It's a club called Union Berlin that's pushing <laughs> them down. So I think there's more pressure on them. Like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose that match. It's not going to be a surprise to anybody. But I think we've got a puncher's chance. I, yeah, I I can see that. And I'm I'm feeling more confident than I was when we started recording this, which is good because we've got, let's see, Saturday, you got Augsburg versus Leipzig. Uh, Leverkusen's playing Wolfsburg. You've got Freiburg versus Bremen, all teams that are kind of with us. And then you've got a huge match on Sunday, right? You've got Hertha Berlin and Schalke, which is increasingly big for us. Um, so there's, there's some big matches still. And then after this one, we've got uh, four matches left. We've got Augsburg. Then we're at Gladbach. Then we've got that huge match versus Hertha. And then against a Leverkusen team before the World Cup break, who knows what that team's going to look like. They look amazing one match. Look awful last week. So they may be Leverkusen and Wolfsburg both may be the two biggest enigmas in the Bundesliga this season. Yeah. Yeah, didn't they just didn't Leverkusen just lose like four to one or five to one to somebody? Uh they lost. I didn't see the score. I just saw it and was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they got pummeled and the Wolfsburg got a point somewhere, but anyway, it's going to be a big weekend like usual. So I'm taking Stuart in this one. Are you taking Stuart in this one? Uh, for it's a two point spread. One goal spread, my friend. One, 
Yes, I'm going to take them. Let's do oh. it. Well, this is good. Positivity. So, Matt, you won last week. You went four, one, and four with Jeff. So you have reclaimed our betting lead. You have 42 wins to my 41 wins. Austin has 39. Jeff has 36. You are leading the Stuttgart picks at six and four with me. So we're both tied here. So um, okay. it's just everything's positive today. This is, I don't know, we've got about, you know, a minute left. Um, what can we do that's even more positive than this? Praise a goalkeeper. I'm really excited about Breadlow. I can't <laughs> wait to see what he does. I think it's going to be awesome. I thought you were going to say we could end the podcast now. <laughs> but that's, that's <laughs> That'd be positive for the listeners. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we're going to post this about an hour or two before the match against Billfeld. Let's hope that uh, everything we said comes true. We get a big win there, and that's momentum keeps us going. And, uh, you know, the wins just uh, keep going. You know what? One win out of ten. That's okay, but maybe we can double or ooh, even triple that going forward. Fingers crossed and Forza follow Bay. Let's do it. All right, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us this week, and we'll talk to you next time.